Welcome to the Sardacne Hockey Podcast, brought to you by The Driving Force and ElitePowerSkating.com. Today's guest, Austin Wagner from the Los Angeles Kings. I had the opportunity to work with Austin, and um, he's a very driven young man with, uh, with a great story and I think a very bright future ahead. So I'd like to welcome Austin to the podcast. Welcome, Austin. Thanks for having me. Let's talk a little bit about where you are right now. Um, just coming off your first season with the Los Angeles Kings. Um, what's it like being in LA? Uh, you know, LA is obviously not the biggest hockey market, but at the end of the day, it's obviously a great place to play. You go down there and it's basically summer in the winter. So, you know, I'm very fortunate to be playing in LA. You know, the city's a little busy, but it's a great city to be in. And, you know, the people treat us great. You know, we're not uh, not blown out of proportion. It keeps us humble because we're not... We're not all that there, so, you know, there's bigger things to worry about. So we get to do our own thing a lot of the time and, you know, just fly under the radar, which I think a lot of the guys like and appreciate. And, you know, we live we live nice and close to the beach, which is the best part about it too. So, you know, you get to enjoy that and then go to the rink and, you know, there's no, no need to be sad there, that's for sure. Well, Los Angeles is a beautiful place and many of our listeners probably had the opportunity to go to California, but it's a massive place too as well. It's a giant city and there's a one of the biggest uh, sports markets with the Lakers, the Clippers, the Dodgers, the Anaheim Angels, the Los Angeles Kings, as, as well as uh, Anaheim Mighty Ducks. So there's, there's a lot of different things happening. What was, uh, what was your feeling um, this year coming into uh, this past season as you came into training camp? Um, well, the year before, I didn't really get a training camp. I had shoulder surgery, so, you know, my year was cut a bit short, and all I wanted to do was have a good camp and show what I could do, and you know, I ended up coming into camp and, and just working hard and playing my game. And, you know, I was fortunate enough to make the team out of camp. And, you know, I, I think that was credit to how hard I worked the summer before. And, you know, it kind of showed me last year coming up and it kind of showed me how hard I needed to work. Um, you know, obviously going into camp like that, you as a rookie, you're kind of a little tentative to push too hard for a spot because the vets might – just like you, but at the end of the day, everybody respects you more when you, you go in and steal a spot than just be given one. So, Absolutely. A lot of, uh, a lot of experience in Stanley Cup championships. Uh, Kopitar, Drew Doughty, Jonathan Quick. Um, what's it like for a young guy walking into that dressing room in training camp with, uh, with those guys around? You know, I'm very fortunate to be in L.A. where they've had a lot of success in the last five, six, seven years and, you know, won a couple of cups. So. You know, there's obviously a winning mentality there, and you know, you got a lot of high-end, high-skilled players. Um, you know, they they treat the young guys very well, and they treat us better every day than you could ever ask. So, you know, they just want to help you to get to that level of of winning. You know, they want to win another Stanley Cup, and I think obviously that's my childhood dream. But it brings them out to uh, we try to push them harder and bring up the speed of practice, and you know, they try to show us their experience and and show us how to treat ourselves like pros and treat our bodies because they've been through the grind of an 82 game season so at the end of the day you know they treat us really well but we also help them at the same time i think that you need a great mix of experience and youth to to be successful in today's nhl what uh what kind of lessons have you learned from these guys i guess we can start with a guy like kopitar been there in los angeles for a lot of years yeah you know kopi's obviously one-of-a-kind player is a good two-way player that puts up a lot of points but also doesn't get scored on very often so you know on the ice he teaches you about that just by watching him if you're playing with him you know just kind of tells you to get open and he'll find you because he's such a good passer but uh you know off the ice he's, he's our captain so he knows he knows what he's talking about he knows how to win and 
he's uh, he's shown that over his career, and you know we got a lot left in it. So, you know, I'm very fortunate to play with a guy like that, where he teaches you how to conduct yourself as a pro. You know, work hard in the gym, and then realistically, it's what five hours a day of working hard, and then you're done for the day. So, you know, that's what he preaches, and that's what he wants. What's it like to practice day to day with guys like Drew Doughty, Jonathan Quick, for example? You know, when you get to shoot on one of the best goalies in the league every day, you're bound to get better and score more goals. So, you know, I'm fortunate with that with Quickie, and, you know, he's very competitive in practice. So um, he obviously wants you to shoot to score, but when he sc- you, he's, you, or you score on him, he gets a little angry. But that's what I like doing, so that's a little bit fun. And then, you know, Dewey's obviously one of a kind guy. He, he works real hard, and he's very competitive. You can see it. He's an emotional guy, but, you know, he going one-on-one with him in practice is also a lot of fun because he's so good. and. You know, it makes you be a little bit more creative than rather just skate down the wall and try to go around him. You know, you have to cut back and try and get in his head a little bit and see what he's thinking. So, you know, even after practice, stuff like that, I've I've talked with, with guys like that, like Brownie and, and Dewey and a couple guys just seeing what I could do to, to change up uh, my mindset going down on defender. And, you know, they're obviously there to help. So cause at the end of the day, the more goals everybody scores in the lineup, the more games we're going to win. Yeah, it's great to have that veteran leadership that allows you to help sharing that information. But uh, I, I find that the most successful teams are the ones that have the most competitive environment as well. Because in practice, uh, just having those players day to day raises the level, raises the compete, and also prepares you for the grinds of an NHL season. Yeah, I agree. You know, at the end of the day, the harder you work in practice, the more prepared you are for your game. So, yeah. um, you know, I'm looking forward to this year coming in with a new coach and. You know, I know that it's going to be very competitive. No, it's going to be fantastic. So let's just uh, take it back to your hometown, uh, obviously Los Angeles. And Calgary, Alberta is a beautiful place and a little bit uh, farther north uh, than Los Angeles is right now. Let's just talk a little bit about you growing up. Tell us where you grew up, where you played your minor hockey. Yeah, I, I obviously grew up here and uh, played my minor hockey in Blackfoot and then uh, worked my way up to North Stars. So I was fortunate enough to from a young age that I had a brother that played all the way up to and you know I kind of just followed in his footsteps and he taught me all along the way and you know he's obviously uh, a big mentor to me through my whole hockey career and then my dad obviously loved the game and my mom could was just there to support me and make sure I had fun so you know Calgary's is such a big city that you know you don't know everybody but it's small enough where it's not as bad as traffic or busy as LA all the time so you know I love coming home here in the summer and you know it's obviously a one-of-a-kind city. Any memories from your from growing up in Calgary in your minor hockey days? Anything highlights that just really stick out? Yeah, you know, I played with uh, a lot of good players. Uh, one in particular that's in the NHL now, which is Braden Point. You know, obviously he's a world-class player. And, you know, growing up with him, I think it kind of pushed me to be try to be better than him. But, you know, he's obviously uh, a good player. And, you know, we going through North Stars and stuff, you get to play in the Max Midget Tournament, which is obviously... Hosted there. Yeah, the hosted. Yeah, we hosted it, actually. So we got to play in front of a good crowd every night. And, you know, in Midget, when you're 15 years old, it's kind of a, a surreal experience. So, you know, obviously I would have liked to win it, but sometimes it doesn't work out that way. So I had a blast through through my minor hockey. And then, yeah, I just, just enjoyed it. Well, it's, it's been pretty awesome, Austin. You spent the spring and summer extensively at the Max Bell Arena and the and the North Stars uh, stories and memories as well as the dressing room access uh, still lives on. It's always nice to come back home and I can I can really tell the listeners how hard this guy works. This guy is dedicated to being the best player he possibly could be to help his team and it's 
it's great to see. When during your minor hockey career did you think, hey, you know what? I love this game. I'm passionate about it, and you know, I'm pretty decent at this game. And you know, when did you get the indication that maybe that it could be more than just the just the minor hockey experience for you? Um, I don't even know if it was in minor hockey. It might have been that uh, going into junior kind of thing. I just I don't know. I always just wanted to have fun with it, and you know, I I knew I was a fast player growing up, but you know, I didn't think anything of it. And going into Regina, I just kind of thought about just trying to have fun and you know worst case scenario I was going to go to school and get get my degree but um you know I, I end up working out pretty well and let's go back to that so you're you know you're finishing your your bantam bantam season you get drafted and select in the western hockey league by the regina pats yeah. for our listeners who don't know the western hockey league uh do you remember where you were picked uh 94th so pretty so, close yeah so pretty close eh? Yeah. up there yeah, yeah. and uh what was your thoughts? Were you excited? Were you thinking about college at the time? You're not sure about Regina because you haven't been there. What was it? what were your, was your thought process? I think growing up in Calgary, you're obviously growing up watching the Hitmen and stuff like that, so you know a lot about junior hockey. And you know, funny enough, and before I got drafted, uh, Calgary played Regina in the outdoor game in Calgary, and I end up uh, I was at that game, so it's kind of funny to look back at it and see that I'm drafted by one of those teams, but. You know, as soon as I got drafted by them, I was, I was really excited. I, I didn't know much about the franchise, but I went to that first camp, and, and you know, my eyes lit up, and I was I was sure I wanted to play there. So, Who was there at the time when you when you broke into the league and your time in Regina? Who were some of the guys you played with? Uh, Chandler Stevenson, so he's obviously a Stanley Cup champion, a good player, and uh, Morgan Klimchuk, guys like that. Um, not a lot of NHL guys on that team, but... You know, as we went through, we ended up getting a lot of guys drafted, and you know, we end up being very solid for the four years I was there. Yeah, it's a strong, uh, strong program. And who who coached you when you were there? Uh, my first year was uh, Malcolm Cameron. Um, you know, I'm fortunate enough to to be coached by him, just in the fact that I had to battle through a lot of adversity with him. Um, you know, I earned my way, and and I learned a lot of uh, about myself that year. And then, um, you know, after that, we, we ended up having a rebuild, and, and uh, John Paddock came in with Dave Struish, and it was uh, one, of the, one of the most fortunate things I could ever ask for because, you know, John gave everybody an opportunity to succeed, and, and uh, with Dave, he, he was hard, but he was fair, and same with John. So, you know, I was very lucky to have both of them as my coach. So as you go through your junior career, you put up some pretty good numbers. I think you're really primary and a, and a difference maker for your team and also made an impact on the league. So uh, to fast forward, when did these NHL aspirations, when did you think to yourself, well, hey, maybe, maybe, just maybe I'm going to get drafted and maybe I can have a, an opportunity to chase my dreams and goals? I think it was that year I was uh, 16, 17, that summer there. Um, I got a little bit angry because I didn't really get get a lot of opportunity and I wanted to, to earn it and I knew a new coach coming in it was a big opportunity for me you know the the roster was wide open and everybody was going to get a shot and a fair shot no matter how old or how young or wherever you're drafted or what, whatever happens so for me it was it was that summer and I you know I just came into camp and again I did basically the same thing I did in LA where it was let's just have a solid camp and have some fun and you know I was real good in camp and you know John was fortunate enough to give me opportunities on the uh, penalty kill and you know I played with a really good player in Adam Brooks for three of those well all four of my years technically but when John came in all three of those years and we were very effective together so you know I just uh, John was good with me too he just told me straight to my face just play your game and don't try to overcomplicate things so you know that's that was my first taste of a real pro coach and 
you know, he, he showed me what it's like just to be coached by somebody so so highly uh, educated in the game of hockey. You know, what our listeners don't realize, you know, especially the players out there, parents, coaches, it's not an easy road sometimes. People feel that, you know, you get drafted in the Western Hockey League or you're the best player in your, like, say, for the North Stars organization or one of the top players. It doesn't just happen. They don't just hand you over a job. They don't hand you over ice time. It's a, it's a business, and it's... Uh, a revolving door of coaches sometimes and there's a lot of struggle and a lot of adversity yeah isn't there? yeah it definitely is a grind and at the end of the day you know you just gotta keep working hard and keeping your head down and just uh staying humble and hard hard working so you know even when you get to the nhl if uh, you're fortunate enough to make it to that league you know it's nothing's a, a set in stone especially for me being on a two-way contract if i'm not working hard or i'm not playing well all of a sudden i can be sent down and that's the harsh reality of it, but at the end of the day, that's the fun part of it because you get to compete every single day and try to be better every day. I think earning it every day and uh, putting in the work and competing on a daily basis for your job and for your ice time and for your opportunity, I think that's a really important lesson for, for young players and even players that are still trying to make it uh, to get there. So let's, let's fast forward to, uh, to the NHL draft in, uh, in 2015, coming off a strong, uh, strong season. Um, Let's just talk about it. Like, so did you go down to the draft? Did you bring your family? What were your expectations? What was the experience like? Where was the draft at? Yeah, um, uh, going into that year, my agent, uh, Michael Kay, um, said to me, he's like, if you're ranked in the top two rounds, I'll take you down to the draft and hand your family down. And it was in Florida that year. So obviously that's a lucky place to go for, for a draft. Um, you know, and I, I ended up having a real good year and getting ranked pretty high. So. I was fortunate enough to go down, and, you know, it was one of the best experiences of my life. Um, you know, you get to see guys like Connor McDavid and guys I'm playing against now go in the high first round, and, and you know, it shows it doesn't matter where you're drafted at the end of the day. Anybody can play in the NHL, but, you know, it was cool because uh, there's a lot of guys still in the LA Kings organization back then that I got drafted by that were um, that built those championship teams and Dean Lombardi and Daryl Sutter and guys like that that, you know, Dean was a Dean was a very very big part of LA and that city and winning a couple championships there, and so was Daryl. So, you know, you I was fortunate enough to say that I was part of that organization for a little bit of a time with them, even though I wasn't the biggest part. But, you know, I, I got the memo from them too that it's uh, it's a business and you got to work hard to stay. That's a that's a great message. So you're sitting at the draft with your family in Florida. Yep. I think at the time the current format was it was it rounds one or just rounds one and two on the first day? Uh, just round one on the first day, and then the rest of the rounds the second. So yeah. So you're sitting in your chair. Describe that experience for our listeners. What's it? Uh, is it? Uh, it's got to be pretty tough on a player to wait for your name to be called. Yeah, obviously going in the first round, I was ranked close to it, so I never knew going into the late first round. But after that day was over I wasn't too upset obviously I didn't really I just wanted to be drafted that's all I really cared about and you know um second day we went and obviously the second round get went through third round went through and then the third round one of a kid from my team from the Regina Pats got drafted my agent specifically said to me he's like don't stand up if you hear from the Regina Pats because you don't know if it's you and it was a demon I was I was lucky I didn't stand up because that could have been a little bit embarrassing but um no, I end up going in the fourth round, and you know, I, I I don't think my mom or dad or brother or anybody's ever been so happy. Uh, you know, all the hard work over the years started to pay off, and you know, but there was a long road ahead. 
going into it and I knew that so you know obviously the work that we put in over my life and you know that whole year and that summer it, uh, it was uh, a long time coming and it was a real good feeling to get drafted by LA. Well I think you said that really well uh, a lot of players getting drafted sometimes they think it's an end destination but really it's the starting point for all the hard work and all the grind and earning earning an opportunity to not just play on the big team but to earn a earn a spot in the organization and so after getting drafted uh, let's walk us through like you know your first contract yeah. your first opportunity and your first uh, development camp and your first you know taste of a Los Angeles Kings organization yeah well coming out of junior two you got till you're 19 to basically sign a contract under your 19 year old year so um, you know I played my 18 year old year and had a real good year and you know, when I, I was lucky enough to be black aced by uh, Ontario, which means you just basically get called up and, and, you know, you get to be with the team for the playoffs. Um, so I was with them for the playoffs, and I learned a lot as an 18-year-old even, just just getting in there and, and, you know, studying how it is to be a pro every day. Um, obviously, I didn't get to play any games because I was so young, and they were in playoffs, and they were such a good team that year. Any notable names that have made it to the big club from there? Um, yeah, there's a few here and there, you know, Paula do that's on there. There's a lot of guys, Adrian Kempe and, you know, Jack Campbell. We got lots of guys in our organization that have worked their way up. And that's the good thing with LA is they, they harp on the, the development phase of the game and not just pushing guys into the NHL and filtering them through because, you know, they want their guys to last. And, you know, I think with LA too, if, you, if they know who their players are and that they have the skill and potential and they draft them for the right reasons to play in the league. Um, so, you know, with Ontario, they, even now they do a lot of development stuff and, you know, Ontario is fortunate enough to be, be so close to LA that, you know, you have a lot of the LA Kings brass at a lot of the games and the coach down there is, uh, he's an unbelievable coach and Mike Stuthers. Um, he, he's, he's hard on you, but he's fair again, but, uh, he, he teaches you to be a pro. He, he makes, uh, boys out into men and, uh. That's his job, right, to get guys to the NHL, and he does a very good job at it. And no matter what uh, anybody says about him, I believe he does that well. Um, but anyways, uh, I played my 18-year-old year, didn't get a contract that year, which I'm uh, pretty thankful for, um, you know, because I got another year to earn it. And you know, People yeah. don't realize you don't just get drafted, and the NHL teams don't just line up if you're not a first-round player to, to hand out contracts. You do have no. to earn it. It's yeah. just being drafted is just – they're very interested in you as a player, but they're watching and deciding what they're going to do with you. Yeah, I think I was a point per game my 18-year-old year, and I, I didn't really get any offers on my qualifying offer, and I just, obviously, you're going to say no because it's not worth signing. Um, but, you know, going into my 19-year-old year, we were uh, <laughs> we were a real good team. We were best team in the country in, in Regina there, and, you know, we had a lot of good players in Sam Steele, like Adam Brooks, Connor Hobbs. Like Sam and Brooks, he had 100 or 262 points combined. Wow which is uh, a lot of points just for two guys to be on different lines too. Yeah. So that's our first and second line center, what we called it line 1A, 1B. Um, and then, you know, we had a D-man on the back end that scored 40 goals. And, you know, we were just we were a weapon of a team. And, you know, uh, we, we lost in the finals. But, you know, I think that year taught us all that, you know, it's, e it's, e it's not easy to win and it's a process and it's, it takes a lot of hard work. You know, even in Regina that 19-year-old year, we were – there was no optional morning skates for the vets, no matter how old you are, and we treated everybody the same. And and you know we we realized that if you want to be a pro, you gotta you gotta work hard every day. You don't just take a day off or take an optional skate or anything like that. You skate no matter what. And 
you know, it, I was fortunate enough again to, to go all the way to the championship finals there against Seattle. And, you know, we lost, we had a few injuries, which sucks, but that's part of the game and that's part of life. Um, that's your that's your uh, Barzell was playing yeah. and they yeah. had, they're pretty strong. Yeah, they strong beat us team in, in Seattle. There. Yeah, I think we were number one all year though, and we dropped off to number two in the country for yeah. a week, and that was it. Yeah. And we were a real good team, but you know it's hard when you got guys with messed up knees and shoulders and yeah. guys that can't you know guys where their games are based off speed and skill that yeah. can't play the speed and skill anymore. So, yeah. you so, know it catches up to you. Absolutely. So, uh, you know, coming off that strong season and that strong team year. Um, you know, one would assume maybe you're going to come back to junior. There's Memorial Cups being hosted. And, yep. like, your journey took a little bit of a different turn, though. Yeah. Um, that summer I ended up having a reconstruction sh- uh, sh- surgery on my shoulder there. And, you know, I was up in the air if I if L.A. wanted me to play in the AHL, um, you know, play against men with a, without having a summer of lifting and getting bigger and, and whatnot. Or go back to Regina, have a good 20-year-old year, feel good about myself strengthen myself play in the memorial cup be guaranteed playoffs and you know it came down to i went to ontario and with my shoulder to rehab on a rehab stint and i i said to myself i'm like i'm not going back to regina i'm staying here i'm playing pro i don't want to go back as a 20 year old i want to stay here and you know i even as a rehab player i couldn't couldn't hit or do anything like that but in practice even i was doing my best to if we're doing a one-on-one burn guys wide do what i needed to do and, you know, I was Mike Stuthers at the end of the day was uh, uh, understood enough to uh, keep me around. And, uh, you know, I couldn't ask for more than that. And then all of a sudden, December came around and I played my first game. And, you know, I, I uh, it was a blast. And I, I've never had more fun. You know, um, Ontario is, again, the AHL is an unbelievable league. It's a lot of young guys, but there's older guys, too, that have played a lot of NHL games and have a lot of experience. And, you know, they mentor you like any NHL guy would. It's a it's it's a great league, and uh, anybody that's played in it or watched in it, uh, a lot of young up and coming stars, but also a lot of veteran players, and it's a it's a high quality league for sure. Now, I want you to give the listeners a little like that's that's a major thing shoulder shoulder surgery, uh, such a primary joint for hockey players for structure and for contact and for yeah. for confidence on the ice. Like, you know, you've dealt with some stuff here. Uh, how what was the mindset how did you get through that how did you obviously you can't lift your arm and you don't get a summer of training you're losing an entire training cycle yeah. you want to stick in the american hockey league which is one of the best leagues in the world and then you know to get to play in december like just an amazing story what what kept you strong what what kept you going um honestly i i had my surgery and i think it was like may or june and i was obviously really really pissed off because i played you know, I wouldn't have traded it for anything in the world because I was playing with that bum shoulder. I think I heard it first series in Regina. Yeah. And I went on to play like 22 games with it. But I wouldn't trade that in the world because, you know, you get th- you get basically three to four years at a shot at a Memorial Cup. Yeah. And, you know, even at that, nobody really gets a shot at it. It's probably the hardest trophy to win if you're going to say anything. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I wouldn't trade that, but I had my surgery and, you know, it's tough. You, you get your surgery and then you can't do anything for three months. You're in a sling and you basically sit in a hotel down in LA and, and rehab it. And then you come home and you still can't lift or you can't skate and you can't do anything. And, you know, it sucks. And I, I know a lot of guys that have had, have had it have, can vouch for that too, that it's, it's the worst having an injury, especially as a hockey player, because all you want to do is go, go, go and, you know, get better and bigger and stronger, faster and, you know, all of a sudden you're you're stopped dead in your tracks, and you got to take three, four months off, and it's 
yeah. it's not normal for a, for an athlete, right? So it's tough. That second half of the season, though, in Ontario, tell us a little bit about that. Like, obviously, feeling stronger, feeling healthy, feeling whole, not playing with one shoulder. Yeah. Um, what'd you learn in that in that season? Um, you know, I was a lot of ups and downs. I didn't have a lot of points. I think I had 17 points. Um, but at the end of the day, I learned a lot of how to play my game and not try to change it. You know, when you get to pro, I think any organization that drafts a player knows what his skill set is, and they don't want you to change your skill set. <laughs> You know, for me, it's to be a big, big, fast kind of in-your-face player and, and, you know, take it to the net every time. Um, and at times, there was times where I was pulling up and trying to trying to deke around guys, and that's just not me. And, you know, they drafted me to be a third, third fourth-line, two-way type of player and, you know, work my way up the lineup um, and be able to fill in anywhere I need to. So, um, you know, in that second half of the year, I just, I just kind of put my head down and, and you know Mike Stuthers is great about that. He he lets you know that you're not like you play your game and you do it the way that you're supposed to. Yeah. And I learned that that year that you know to be successful, I gotta I gotta play my game and not try to change it because I was drafted for that reason. Absolutely. Let's fast forward to the to the next season, coming into training camp and just describe us. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. Um. I was last year, so I was heading into training camp and um, didn't get one the year before because of my shoulder. So. All I wanted to do was make an impression and have a good, solid camp. I again, I was talking to my agent before, and we were, we just said like, let's just have a good camp, and whatever happens, happens. You know, you're gonna either there's only two ways it's gonna go. You're either gonna be in the AHL or the NHL, and because I played a full year, so you know, I I had a real good summer with with crash conditioning here in Calgary, and we 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 got me a lot bigger and stronger and faster, and you know, I pushed myself real hard, and and um, you know, I came into camp and. I just did my job, and I think, again, that's going back to Mike Stuthers and giving him credit because he's the one that said, just do your job, and you know what, at the end of the day, that you can't be mad at yourself because you did your job and did what you do best. So I, I just went into camp, and I skated, and I hit, and you know I was playing preseason games, and I was taking the puck to the net, trying to beat guys wide all the time. And We talked about this on the ice uh, throughout our spring and summer as we were training. It was... When when did that moment that uh, that that aha that light bulb going hey you know I'm good enough to play here I'm fast enough to play here I have the skill set to play in this league when did that when did that moment come to you Um I think it came my second preseason game I uh, think I was I forget I think it was Ekman Larson I was going against and I got the puck at our blue line I took two strides and I was already past him and I was like okay well I can skate at this level. But can I add like the other elements into my game to play at this level? And then I started doing what I do best, which is, you know, if I can't beat the guy wide, chipping it behind him and then just going and getting it or, Mm -hmm. you know, blocking shots, killing penalties, doing whatever I needed to do to get in the lineup. And, you know, at the end of the day, it was just a grind to get there. Um, So so tell me this. So when preseason went fairly well, as we've discussed, when did, uh, was it, was it the coach? Was it the GM? When did somebody tell you, like, hey, you know, you're going to start the season with the LA Kings? Was it a phone call? Was it a discussion? Was it a tap in practice? What happened? Yeah, I, I forget what it was. I think I remember I was sitting in the hotel. I kind of blacked out at the time. And, you know, I was sitting in the hotel and, um, in LA. And, and, you know, I think we just got off the road trip. Uh, I think we're in Anaheim. And I ended up scoring in Anaheim on a breakaway. And I, I got a call from uh, the head of development. And I was like, oh, well, this is like the call to say I either am staying up or I'm going down. Mm-hmm. 
and uh, I answered the phone and he, he, you know, he said, we're very proud of you. You worked so hard to make it. Um, obviously nobody expected a fourth round pick to make the NHL at 21 years old. And, you know, they said that you were resilient and you, you put your mind to a goal that you wanted and you made it there, but the work's just starting. And, you know, now you made it, but now you got to stay. And, and, you know, I, I wouldn't, uh, who was the first phone call you made to my, uh, to my mom. Yeah. Um, yeah, she, uh, she never, never thought in her dreams. I don't think that I, she'd have her son playing in the NHL at 21 years old. And I think she was a little scared at the time because it's a little, that's a big step for a 21 year old going from the AHL to the NHL where you're making a lot more money and you're around different guys. And, you know, the coaches are kind of a little bit like, go do your own thing. But if you mess up, see you again. Right. So yeah. let's talk about the first game. Let's talk about gearing up, uh, the, the feeling, uh, the dressing room. Your your first shift in that first game. Let's talk about that. Yeah, that one was a uh, that one was cool. You know, I had my mom, my dad, my brother there, um, and uh, you know, I was dressing up and getting dressed. And you have to you have to put your money on the board for your first NHL game, and you know, it's always see fun. And you know, you, you're about to go out for warmups, and all the guys are saying congrats, like you've made it. Like you know, let's have a let's have a good game tonight. Let's win this one. And, did you have to do the the honorary lap of shame? Did no, they do it or was it no. Just the regular? boys were real good with me, and yeah. they didn't make me do that. So I was I was very fortunate. I don't think a lot of guys. Not, I don't think anybody did it last year yeah. in their first games. So, you know, it's obviously. I think that's just fun and games, but you know, being in the home opener, it's all business too, right? We're we're looking to start the year off with a bang, and you know, we were playing San Jose, so it was pretty cool to come skate through the tunnel and. And uh, hear your name called for the first time, and you know that game went really well. Joe Thornton, Brent yeah. Burns, yeah, nice I, uh, big lineup. It's a pretty awesome team to start with. Yeah, and I ended up uh, having four breakaways that game, hit uh, two posts, and you know who'd you uh, play with? Uh, Amadio and uh, I think it was Amadio and Clifford. Nice. So you know, basically my line for the year. Yeah. Um, you know, I had a lot of chemistry with those guys. I got along with those guys really well, and. Cliffy being a veteran guy, Clifford made the NHL at 18. Yeah. You know, he's a he's a hard nosed, real real good good player that you want on your team. You know, he's a good team guy. And Do you remember anything about that first shift, just stepping on the ice for the first time? Yeah, I uh, I dumped the puck in and went full speed at Brent Burns and tried to kill him. So okay, you know uh, that's I don't know that's just the type of player I am though. I he's I pretty sh- agile guy for yeah. a big guy, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, he is. But I don't I don't want to shy away from anything, you know. And if I'm going to take a punch in the mouth, I don't really care anymore. So how did that scenario turn out? It was good. I, I got a good piece of him, and he kind of just looked at me, and I just looked back at him. So I was kind of all the boys were loving it too. They're just laughing because some twenty-one-year-old rookie's trying to take a run at one of the best demon in the league. But well, you know. well, I, well, I can say this about you, Austin. I've I've had the opportunity to work with thousands of NHL players, and uh, through our uh, spring and summer training cycle with a lot of really high-end NHL players, we've had the opportunity to train both privately and in group. And I will tell you. Um, some very, very uh, experienced NHL all-star players that have represented their country. Uh, they say you're one of the fastest guys in the league as a young guy. And in fact, uh, I'm not going to quote the person, but there's two people that says they think you're faster than McDavid, which is pretty high praise. What, what, do, you, what do you think about that? Obviously, it's cool. I, I think yeah, we're different players in, in a huge sense. He's a very, very skilled player, and you know, but... Uh, I don't know. It's obviously high praise, and you know when guys say that, it's great to hear. But there's a lot of elements in just straight out speed. So I absolutely, think and I think that you. I think that you've really worked on developing your game holistically. 
uh, not just your straight out speed, but just your entire game, uh, skating and your skills in combination and your puck skills. And uh, I, I can tell the listeners that Austin's a very, very focused individual that just wants to be better. And he's not so much concerned about what's around him or who he's playing against. He's worried about improving himself. And that's advice that I think all players should listen for is if they, if they just focus on themselves and improving what they need to improve upon, um, their developmental plan will be... Uh, be, be different but just watching you compete against some of the best players in the world Austin I can see that uh, you know unbelievable skater and and somebody that if you haven't had a chance to watch Austin play because being in LA he's he's dynamite incredible wheels and this game is built on speed and spilled on quickness now talking about uh, the season you had with LA yet you know for for your first year in LA and uh, it was it was 60 plus games that you got in and I think you had a a really strong uh, strong season 12 goals and a bunch of apples like real good showing for a young player like tell us about the season like obviously toughest league in the world and the best league in the world and only 720 players in the world out of the millions that play get to play in it yeah um you know it's obviously obviously uh one of the coolest experiences in the world like i can say uh scored some goals in the nhl but you know again who was your first goal against uh, Colorado. Okay. Yeah. Who's in that? Uh, Varlamov. Okay. It's a tough loss for the guys, but yeah, I had my first two points. I got my first assist on uh, one of well, my roommates, one of my good friends, Matt Luff's goal, his second NHL one, and then uh, he assisted my first one. So what was it like? You know, it's tough because it was seven two at the time. Yeah. But at the same time, like it's hard not to be happy, and I think the guys realized it. Uh, you know, obviously it sucks. Like you don't want to celebrate too hard, but. You know, Luffer was obviously extremely happy for me, and you know all the guys were so happy just to just to see that uh, the rookies can produce. And I think it was a sigh of relief showing myself because I think that was my twentieth game. Mm-hmm. And it, at that point, it was like, okay, well now I know I can score in this league. Now let's focus on like playing your game, do your thing, and then you know I started scoring a lot more because I started doing my job and not trying to do somebody else's. So. Um, you know, but it's it's cool. You get to travel to all these cities, and you know. Um, what was your favorite city that you went to? That's a tough one. You know, obviously, I like coming home and playing in Calgary. Uh, you know, you got friends, family, and I think it's. Uh, I think that's probably my favorite, just based on the fact that it, all my friends and family are there for warm ups, and you know, when when the, I think when my friends see me skate over the tunnel, it's kind of something cool for them to say, like, "Oh, that's like one of my best, like my best friend since I was in kindergarten." You know, he even said, he's like, I think it was probably the coolest experience of my life to see you come out for warm-ups and, you know, smiling and laughing and, you know, just saying like, oh, that's that's my best friend right there. And, you know, um, my friends are very humble towards me where they don't, they don't throw my name out anywhere. If we go out to a restaurant or a bar or something, they don't tell people who I am. And, you know, I just keep my head down and try not to be be a distraction to anybody because you know at the end of the day i don't want to be known as that guy i well, just want to be known as austin wagner and, and not not the austin wagner the hockey player so yeah and it's good to be authentic and you know people appreciate that as well yeah so obviously playing in in the league like you know you're a young guy you yep. watched a lot of hockey growing up you're playing yep. against some people that used to watch and used to admire like uh who was tough to play against who were you going like wow this guy's a good player you know, obviously, you're gonna say Crosby. Yeah. Um, I messed up against them too, and I uh, we they were coming down on us full speed, and I was back in the neutral zone, neutral zone forecheck, and you know Crosby's coming full speed with his winger, and 
you know, I went to pinch off his winger on our board side. And I don't know how the puck got through me. It hit my shin pad and went right onto Crosby's stick. And I took two strides and I was right beside him still. But I tried to pull the puck off him and he's so strong. You've seen his legs and photos and stuff. And, and his puck protection Yeah, is you can't get the puck off this and guy. he's so strong on his skates. Yeah. And having the opportunity to be on the ice and train, train him. Like this guy, people, people don't assume, you know, he's fast, he's strong, and he does every little detail you can yeah. imagine. Like you'd think that, you know, you caught up to him, but yeah. you couldn't stop no. him. And, you know, some people watch McDavid, and McDavid's pretty flashy of a player yeah. too. You know, he gets his quick crossovers and does his toe drags and stuff where Crosby, he gets the puck and he just holds on to it off his back foot, and he goes to his back foot and he pulls it to his front foot. And you just can't move him. And then you try to hit him, and he just slips right off you. He's he's not the flashy. He'll make a lot of nice plays and flashy plays sometimes because he's just that skilled. But I think he's such an NHL veteran now that he knows that he can just do whatever he needs to do. Like, he doesn't have to be a flashy player all the time. He'll stand in front of the net and tip a puck if he has to. He doesn't care. Yeah, His situational awareness of where he is, where his time and space is, where everybody else is, it's second to none. He, uh, you're right. He'll do whatever it takes to help his team win. Yeah. It doesn't matter who he's playing with. No, he doesn't. He doesn't care if he's on the highlight reel or not either. And I think that's the, the coolest thing about him too. You know, he doesn't care if he scores a goal in the crease or if yeah. he skates through five guys to score a goal. Yeah. Who else have you found impressive as a um, forward playing against? You know, Barkov's obviously one. I think he's one of the most underrated in the league. He put up ninety something points last year, but you don't hear anything about him because nope. he's in Florida. Yeah, he's buried there. Yep. Yeah, and you know I think that's why he likes it there because he doesn't have to deal with the media and all that. And he Great just, finished player though. Just Great. flies right under the radar and just does his own thing. So yeah. uh, you know I think that's what a lot of guys want to do. And you know you go you go to Ryan O'Reilly, you know unbelievable player too. And you go to you go to all these guys and you know even look at our team like you got Kopitari. Kopi's won what three Selkies, two mm-hmm. Selkies, and. You know, two Stanley Cups, same with Brownie. You know, you got all these guys on our team. You got Jeff Carter. You got, we have, you count it, we probably got five or six Hall of Famers on our team yeah. or close to Hall of Famers. So, you know, I'm, I'm fortunate enough, you know, you, I can even say, like, just watching guys like that, you're, you're, you're amazed to see them. Um, How about defenders? Who's, who's tough to play against that you've had? Your guy with speed, you can go around a lot of guys. Yeah. Um, you know, there's, it's funny because a lot of the harder demon I find to play against aren't the the very high end guys or the the third fourth third or second or third pairing demon. Yeah. Uh, just because they they just think the game. Yeah. They're they're not trying to play offense. They have no defense, and that's where I struggle against those guys because you know the offensive guys are going to try to attack you right away mm-hmm. and you know try to poke the puck off you and get you going that yeah. way. Where you know these guys like I was I remember I was playing against Dave England, and very very solid NHL player. What, he probably has 700 NHL games, yeah. and and you know he's never been a flashy player. He just does his job, but he just met me at the net and he knew what I was doing. He knew he let me skate around the outside, but he knew he was just gonna take me right to the net. And I couldn't do anything about it, and if I tried to go across the net, he was gonna bury me into the net. Yeah, and you know that's where you know you talk like guys like Hedman's obviously a great two-way defender, and then you got guys in Dallas like Heiskanen, and he can fly, yeah. and then you know but you got all these guys, but then you. You play against those lower end guys, not lower end, but they're still unbelievable players. But like they're stay at home demon, like the Braden McNabs, the they're specialists. They're specialists, they, and you know the Ryan Suiters. You can't beat those guys because they're so good at what they do, and they're so good with their sticks, and they're so good with their size and their skating, and they just think the game so well. Even if demon that's not that fast, like Tyler Myers, yeah. you know you you might be able to beat him wide, 
but his stick's so long, and he just knows Great he's sticks. he knows he's just gonna meet you at the net. Yeah. So you, what, you watch these NHL defenders, these elite players, and the ones you've mentioned. It's it's amazing uh, at the at the NHL level how great they are with their sticks. It's the first line of defense, and their ability to get stick on puck and disrupt your pattern, your skating patterns, and disrupt your stick. They the, the positioning, the detail. It's impeccable, and it's it, it's great to see. It's yeah. absolutely great to see and great to play against. So. As you went through your NHL season, you scored one in your first 20 and I think another 11 in your last uh, 41 games as, as, as you played. Um, out of the 12 last year, what was the nicest one you scored? Uh, I don't know. I had a – depends on nice. You know, I had a goal against Chicago where I beat two D-men wide and then took it across and went went uh, high blocker on Crawford. And, you know, that was a nice one. But then there was another play that, you know, was just all together where we were in Philly and uh, – End up getting the puck at the red line. I just made a soft chip off the board with Cliffy slashing across. Cliffy made a great backhand past me, and it was just on and off my stick. And, you know, um, we work a lot on that in practice of just quick release because goalies do move so quick nowadays. Um, you know, I think I would say that's probably not a nice one just because it was the play that Cliffy made of him being so aggressive to get around mm-hmm. around a D-man and cut across, get the puck, and make such a great pass to me. And then, you know, it was just that finish of – in my mindset of just having it on and off my stick as fast as possible because then the goalie can't get set. So Yeah, exactly. So, you know, one of the one of the wonderful things about living in LA and area, uh, Hermosa for yourself. I still remember Jared Stoll when he moved there and uh, when he moved from Edmonton there and what a great beach community being by the water. Like when you get away from the rink and you get away from finishing all your hard work and your workouts and your preparation what do you like to do, like in the area? What's your what's your favorite things to do? Yeah, I got a I got a few longboards now for skateboarding, and I you know I go up and down the beach like that every every day kind of thing, and you know it just gets you out and about. You know you you are tired some days. You you get off a plane the night before at three in the morning, and then you got to practice at at eleven, and because you got a game the next day, and it's not just a day off. And I think that's I don't think a lot of people see that grind, um, where it is you. You land sometimes you land in LA at three in the morning and you got practice at eleven. You get home and you get five six hours of sleep and and you know you know you got to go to practice and you know I I'm fortunate enough that I can I'm young enough that I can I can get through that. But you know there's guys on our team with families and you know they have to get up and get their kids ready for school and stuff like that. So um, you know it, I I like to do a lot of stuff. You know we golf on days off sometimes because the weather's so nice. How's your game? Yeah, it's all right. We're getting there. Ebs could probably say something about it, but Ebs, like you said, like not a great guy to bet with on the golf course. Seems to seems to extract money from a lot of people. No, he's a competitive guy. So I think, uh, yeah, I golf with him quite a bit. We're members at the same course, so uh, that's all I'll say. We have a couple battles here and there, and you know he's obviously a, a great guy. So it's always a fun time golfing with him. That's for sure. But yeah, going back to LA, there's so much to do. You know, you got theme parks and all this all, all around and some days you you're done there done at the rink at noon and you're home by twelve thirty, and you know you got the whole day to do whatever you want so if your family's down or, or whatever you know you got lots of time to do whatever and there's so much stuff to do so tell me about uh, navigating yourself obviously growing up in calgary and playing your junior hockey in regina and then going to eight to ten lane traffic uh, yeah you know how do you rate your driving skills navigating the traffic there in the LA area I think they're good now you know I, I come back to Calgary and it's nice because rush hour here is like the traffic at three in the morning there so yeah but uh no they're good um I got my routes that I take every morning and I got my routine and I know what time I have to leave and where I'm going and 
you know, um, certain times, you know, there's, there's these things called fast passes there. So it, you pay for some lanes, toll lanes. Mm -hmm. And, uh, basically I take that down to the Staples Center. So it only takes about 40 minutes to get down there. Okay. Where if you didn't have them, it'd be about three hours. So, you know, I, I, I've learned the routes and, and the fastest ways and, you know, guys carpool together too. So everybody knows the way and everybody leaves at the same time, basically. So would you describe your driving style, uh, more like Ricky Bobby? Talladega Nights, more like Cole Trickle from Days of Thunder, or more like a Dale Earnhardt, Earnhardt Jr.? Like, what would you say out of those three? Like, who describes your driving the best? I don't know. Um, I kind of have a little bit of a race car right now, so I, I uh... Well, some, I do know that. And, and some just, days I get to go a little quick in it, and some days I, I, I tone it back, and, you know, I, I think down there especially, there's so much traffic, you don't... You don't really drive that you don't weave and you just you just drive and you know you drive like a normal citizen but sometimes on the freeway you got to open it up and let her let her go well I, I can still remember that you had to go down to la to bring your car back because there's some shipping problems and not only is this guy fast on the ice i don't know if he put wings on his vehicle it's like the red bull car or something that has wings but literally we had a we had a skate he had to run down to la i think he flew down to la picked up his vehicle and he was literally back on Cal back in Calgary within about like 48 hours and back on the ice with me and we're skating in the morning and I'm like exactly how did you get your vehicle from California to Calgary <laughs> how many how many miles or kilometers is that drive um I'm gonna look right now but um I think I slept four hours on that whole drive um like you had to break like cannonball run like land speed records to like that's a lot of distance uh, to cover in 1919 and then it's uh let's see how many hours 22 hours so i think i did it in about 20 yeah. caught up some time but you know i went la to salt lake which is about 12 yeah and then salt lake home which is about 10 but i think i stayed i got into salt lake at midnight and i left at five in the morning because i couldn't sleep i woke up at five and i was just like trying to sleep trying to sleep and i was just what we called the front desk. So I was like, I need my car. I'm, I'm leaving right now. I'm done for the day. I'm tired. Like, I'm not tired. I feel good to go. Let's go out on the road. I think I got home at like six. And even my parents were like, what the heck did you just do? I just so, couldn't believe it. Like, literally getting the call. Okay, Steve, let's, let's get on the ice. I'm back. I'm like, huh? Yeah. And, like, I know, did just get to LA. It's supposed to be a two, three day drive. And I did it in about one and a half. So yeah. You did. You did. You I just grinded through it and did it. Yeah. That's how you train. Go hard or go home. Yeah. Um, let's just give the listeners a little insight on, on some things. I'm going to pop some questions to you. Sure. So this segment's going to be about like just what you like, what comes to mind and, and, and we'll, and we'll go from there. Um, first of all, favorite movie. Uh, it might be public enemies, Johnny Depp, you know, gangster movie. I enjoy those old school ones, but now I've been watching kind of soft films. It's not good right now. So, you know, you got to, Depends on, the Depends on the company you're yeah, keeping. Exactly, you know, like what, yeah, exactly. What, what if you're with the boys, what you're yeah, watching. If I'm with the boys, I yeah. don't know. It's uh, it's usually, you know, we went and saw a lot of superheroes movies. I think we went and saw uh, A Star is Born Together in theaters this year. You know? Okay, yeah. We, we mix it up and we have a lot of fun. Singing, singing shallow in the yeah, showers. Yeah, we're all so. screaming in the in the. By the way, who's, who's got the best, who's the best singer on the team? Who's the best singer? Who's got the best pipes? I don't know. We don't really sing much, and you don't hear it much. But I think uh, you know what's going on in the cars, though, in showers, like totally. We don't hear guys singing in the shower ever. But I think we just, if we do do anything, it's kind of just a joke around. I don't think anybody's really good. Who runs the music in the room in LA? Uh, last year is Leipzig, and you know, Cards has his phone on there. Yeah. We one in the practice rink is hooked up through Sonos. Sure. So we got iPads just set up, and you know, if you're the first guy in the gym or 
you know, or your first guy in the dressing room. So they usually just put something on that everybody's going to like, like a kind of remix. Absolutely. Um, you know, in the gym, if I'm up there early with Cliffy, Cliffy usually puts on country. So we right. get that while we're stretching in the morning. And, you know, in the room, it might be some old school hip hop. But it's nothing, never nothing or anything too, uh, too harsh. What's playing in your car when you're making the, when you're making the, the California, uh, Calgary drive? Uh, the Steve Serdakti podcast. That's pretty good. Yeah, that's actually, that's a pretty good listen. But that, that's only going to be about yeah. 45 minutes. What do you do with the other no, uh, 21 I, hours? I got a playlist in my, in my phone that's, uh, 800 songs. So it's yeah. a mix of country and hip hop and, you know, a little dance music, a little rock, a little bit of everything. I listen to everything I grew up on on uh, rock with my dad and country with my mom so i kind of just mix everything in and just just change the song until i find one i like perfect mix so ideal meal what what would it be if you could eat something what, what's it going to be depends what city i'm in you know if i'm in calgary there's a restaurant here called villa friends yeah. if you've heard of it it's a it's a real good italian spot it's uh over in bridgeland it's it's unbelievable and then you know in la there's lots of good places like there's a real good steakhouse in manhattan beach called arthur J. Uh, any any of the LA boys, if if they know, they all. Better be getting some free meals with all these plugs. It's like a it's yeah, brought to you, you know, by. we always go in there and yeah, they treat us well. So that's yeah, awesome. There's lots of good restaurants in LA, especially. There's a good food scene in Calgary and a good food scene here. That's for sure. So if you're cooking for yourself, though, um, what's happening? Barbecue. I don't barbecue at all anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm more of an oven type of cooker. Okay. But uh, what do you, what, uh, what's the best thing you make? I don't know. I make good pork chops. Uh, you know, I, I cook mostly every night, so I'm pretty good about it. And you know, um, I, I don't know. I eat everything. I, I make good fish, uh, good salmon. I grew up with salmon fishing with my dad, so yeah. you know, I learned how to make a lot of that. And speaking know. of which, so are you amateur fisherman, accomplished fisherman, or just basically an expert? I would say I'm like between like a comp, like an average to like expert. You know, I've, I've been I've been getting into fly fishing this summer. My stuff's actually in my car, so who who fishes better, you or Doug? I think Dougie because he's been doing it for longer. Yeah. You know, I think he's got a good twenty years on me. World class trainer. Yeah. Unbelievable. Like you talked to him earlier on the podcast, but man, uh, it's just amazing how he can just slide out to the river to fly fish. Like it's like he's just like he's like a superhero. He can just get to the river and just out there, no problem. Yeah, I think uh, the biggest thing with the river too for me, I'm learning this year is it gets me away from everything. Uh, you know, it can't just be hockey and training all the time. Absolutely. And, you know, you need that escape, whatever it is. If it's you know mountain biking or road biking or or fishing, even like what I do. Um, you know, Dougie and I go quite a bit, and I think I've been with Doug for eight years now. So our friendship's obviously grown. It's business in the gym, but you know we can still go fishing together and do stuff like that. And you know, it's good to have those personal relationships, and it's uh, you need those escapes. And you hockey is the it's everything, but it's also good to get away. What's the last book you read? Um, the Art of Being Disliked. You know, it's a good book. You know, at the end of the day, it just talks about making yourself happy before you make everybody else. Because at the end of the day. If you're happy within yourself and you know you can't please everybody at the end of the day and and just uh you know it's it's a good read for sure i'd recommend it to anybody so if you weren't a hockey player what would you be i don't know i always wanted to, to be a teacher in grade like kindergarten to grade two but uh i know nowadays they're not really giving a lot of males those jobs uh, i don't know why but that's just the way it is nowadays but you know um if not that you know i, I feel like being a police officer or doing something like that just just helping out people you know i, I wouldn't i want to help change people's lives if i couldn't uh, be a hockey player that's for sure that's perfect 
Okay, describe your fashion style. You got some pretty good kicks here. Like I know you, you got your running <laughs> shoe thing going on. You got, always got the nice kicks. So like, what yeah. what are you wearing now? And like, what what are your favorite ones in your closet? Um, I don't know. Last year I, I spent a little bit of money on clothes, and yeah, I, I shouldn't have spent a lot of money on clothes. But uh, you know, you live and learn. Uh, I got a got a lot of nice shoes. You know, I got a couple pairs of off weights, a couple pair of Yeezys. Um, got some Saint Laurent boots, stuff like that. You know, I. I don't pull these ones out too much, which are my off weights, but um, you know I love my love my boots. That's for sure. You have a good market to get uh, good access to that, anyways. Yeah, you know I got a got a pretty good relationship with the the manager up at Saint Laurent. I don't I uh, gave her my number the first day I went in there, and you know she she texted me the catalogs now, and you know I I'm staying away from shopping right now just because it, it does add up over time, and mm-hmm. you know at the end of the day it's just materialistic stuff. I think I'm starting to get away from that and learn that and I think that's part of maturing through like my career and you know that's another thing that the LA guys helped me out with last year you know when you you come into the league as a young guy you, and you never had money especially coming from junior or something like that and you get start getting some it's like oh I want this I want that I want this and you know I learned last year that there's a need and a want yeah it's and important I, to like, differentiate can, between can, those two things you can spoil yourself at times you know you maybe you know you you've been good for a month and not spending money and you you go say oh i want like this pair of shoes you can go buy that or you know but that's that comes with budgeting and that comes with time and i think maturing from from playing in the league too so this year will be a little bit different i don't think my closet will be as nice but you know at the end of the day i don't really care i'm going to i'd rather spend money on a suit because i wear a suit for 82 games um and you know i i wear these t-shirts maybe once or twice uh a week or something like that so sure so best advice you've ever gotten from a coach from a parent from a friend um you know i think you, you, there's different lines i can always say and you know talk about what i've been told um you know like i i go back to when i was a kid and the best line was always just have fun with what you're doing and enjoy it and you know i still keep that one with me to today i have a bunch that i go by um you know and then I was in junior and it was like, it's like the grind never stops. You know, you, you, you always got to be working on it if it's, especially in junior because you go to school and then you go to practice. So you got to make sure your grades are good. You got to make sure you're doing your schoolwork and then you got to go to practice. You got to work double as hard. And I think that's why junior is so hard for people because it is about time management and doing that. Um, so that's just, that was the focus on like, at, focus on your one thing at a time. And then like last year, it's, you know, it's easy to make it, but it's harder to stay. And, you know, that was probably the best advice I ever got because, you know, I, I would never miss a workout and I would always go up to the gym and work even harder than, you know, the guy next to me. But that's that camaraderie of a team too where, you know, when each guy is working harder than the guy next to him, it makes that guy work harder. So it, it builds up that competitive spirit and then you get to a game and everybody's busting their busting their, uh, their hiney for, for that game. So Yeah, it's, 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 I think it's important to never get too comfortable and never no. – Nobody owes you anything. You no. gotta earn it every day. Yeah, nobody. You know, you, no matter where you're drafted, I don't care if you're first overall or a, or a seventh round pick. You know, n- nobody owes you anything. And you know, there's there's been first overall picks that don't work out because they they think they made it, and it's not the truth at all. You got to work even harder just to just to stay. Absolutely. So, so let's uh, let's just let's give some advice to young players, young parents players that are trying to make it to the next level at whatever level they're playing what uh what words of knowledge would you would you share with them um you know just work hard every day and enjoy what you're doing because if you're not enjoying it you're not going to work hard at it you know i think i learned that at 16 you know i had a tough year and 
and I wasn't really enjoying it and I didn't really work as hard as I should have and I regret it but you know that summer I, I realized like I'm going to enjoy hockey again and enjoy what I'm doing and I worked hard and ended up getting drafted so I think getting to that next level is just about working hard and you know even going back to that book that I was talking about you know it says like you can't please everybody you just got to do what makes you happy on the inside and even for kids like you know what like don't try to please everybody on your team or whatever just be yourself do your job like if you're if you're trying to be a speed guy in the NHL that's you know they everybody needs one of those everybody needs a guy to go get the puck out of the corner that's faster than everybody else yeah exactly and that's basically my job so and you're good at it and like that's the thing like I don't care what people think about me on other teams or or you know like my teammates are going to respect me because I do my job and that's it so I think that's the biggest thing like just do your own thing and you know what people are going to like you for you so one of the things I want to ask you about is you get to travel a lot uh, obviously in your profession but where would you like to go what would be the destination you'd like to go and see the most in the future um well next summer i'm heading to europe so that'll be an interesting one i think uh we're you know what countries yeah we're gonna do uh denmark and then uh head down to like germany sweden kind of down through northern spain italy and i probably finish off in greece and come home to spend uh two weeks or something you know i i don't take a lot of vacations uh i think this year is my first one in eight years or six years or whatever it's been so you know, I, I'm realizing that too as I get older. Like, you got to enjoy, and it just can't be go all the time. You got to have that fun side of your your life, and you know, so that'll be fun. And I think we might even hit London too on the way through. So, you know, I'm excited for that, and you know, that's a long ways away, but still nice know, to. It'll say. be a, it'll be a good reward for for a solid year's work. Absolutely. So let's talk about hockey one more time. Something that you haven't accomplished that would like to, you'd like to accomplish. A goal, some goals for hockey for the future for yourself? You know, for me, it's winning the Stanley Cup. You know, nobody can ever take that away from you. Nobody can ever can ever say anything about it. You know, only a certain amount of guys get their names engraved on that cup every year. And, uh, you know, only a certain amount of guys ever get a shot at it once. So, you know, being in L.A., we're, we're in that kind of transition period right now, but you know, we still have a lot of uh, talent in that team where we can be a very, very good team and be a Stanley Cup contender if you look at our sheets. So, you know, hopefully this year we can get back to that. That's probably one of my biggest goals. Um, you know, obviously international hockey. I, I've never played international hockey. I, did, I didn't make U17, 18, didn't make World Juniors, didn't make anything like that. So for me, And you I, didn't stop. No, and, you know, that was the biggest thing. I think that I kind of got that uh, chip on my shoulder where it's like, well, you cut me, like, I'm going to prove you wrong. Like, I'm going to make it. And, you know, that's the funny thing. Like, I look back at, going back to that stuff, like, I look back at Hockey Canada now. And, you know, obviously, it's, I'm I'm so happy for the guys to get to play. Like, I would never be jealous. Like, I could care less. But to me, it was like, some of those guys haven't even made it to the level I'm at. And it doesn't mean that they weren't better than me at that time. But maybe I just worked a little bit harder than all them, all they or all of them did at that time that they were doing that you know what I mean like they made world juniors and they're like oh this is perfect like we're here like this is fun like meanwhile I was busting my balls that summer trying to get make the NHL and like not reminiscing in the past so you know what if I ever got the opportunity to play you know international hockey I definitely would jump right on that right away I think it's a championship mindset when you I think you look to the past 
for motivation and lessons, but also for the positives. But you need, to, like you said, you have to look forward, and it's it's really an ultra marathon. Yeah, getting to the NHL, getting to the next level, and being the best that you can be, and it is a competition. Things aren't equal, and you have to fight every day to make things happen, which 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 I think helps make you the player that you are. Um, just a great discussion, Austin. You like just uh, really insightful and. Uh, this is a driven and a motivated young player that, that, that works for everything that he has and just wants to be the best he can. And I think there's important lessons that uh, it's not an easy road. It's a battle. It takes a lot of hard work, perseverance, dedication. You deal with a lot of success, but you also deal with a lot of adversity and failures in regards to situational things, injury. And I think you've really, really overcome that and gave the gave the listeners an incredible insight. Yeah. Um, want to thank you for joining us. It's thank been you. absolutely fantastic. Appreciate that. This is Steve Serdakny on the Serdakny Podcast, brought to you by the Driving Force and ElitePowerSkating.com. Tune in for future episodes.